I have a suspicion that there may be some people in this room who are old enough to remember the war on poverty. It was a long time ago, maybe 60 years, when the administration of President Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty. It was a noble effort and it had some lasting effects, but it's pretty obvious that that war isn't over and there's still plenty of poverty in the world. And in fact, if we look around, we seem to be generating more poverty and more poor people all the time. So maybe we should stop calling things wars if we can't win and if we know they are never ending. I'm thinking also about the famous war on drugs and the war on terror. But poverty in particular is of concern to us and today's scripture readings demand that we take a look at poverty and at the poor, not just as a problem to be solved or controlled, but as brothers and sisters to accompany and to love. Our first reading today was from the prophet Zephaniah, and he is one of the prophets that we don't hear from very much in the context of the liturgy. Zephaniah was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah, but he takes a much darker view of God's plan for the world. When Zephaniah writes about the coming kingdom of God, he describes a time of judgment when only a small remnant of God's people will remain, a poor remnant, and they'll be the only ones left. Zephaniah believes that God is angry with his people, and not just because they've abandoned right worship of the one true God, but because they no longer care for the orphans and the widows and the poor. In ancient Judaism, there was a serious religious obligation to care for those who couldn't care for themselves. And we, of course, have the same religious obligation. But Zephaniah points out that because the people have lost their sense of responsibility to care for the poor, in the day of God's judgment, only the poor will remain because only the poor will have kept faith. Now, in our second reading, as St. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he is writing to a divided community. You remember last week's epistle? Of course you do, yeah. Um, there were factions following different teachers, and they didn't all get along. And each of these factions believed that they were endowed with a special wisdom that meant that they were in some way superior or set apart from the other believers in their community. And St. Paul wanted none of it. And so in today's reading, he's taking them down a few notches and pointing out the ways that they were the poor and the weak and the simple, whom God chose to be followers of Christ. And this is an important point. God consistently chooses the weak and the imperfect and the outsiders and the poor to be his people and to do his work. When Egypt, Greece, and Rome had the greatest empires in the ancient world, God chose a third-rate slave nation like ancient Israel to be his special people. When God needed to raise up leaders for his people, he didn't invite members of the nobility or the leading merchants or the best educated. 
He chose the youngest son of a shepherd family, David. When God is choosing people for a particular mission, shoemakers become prophets, fishermen and tax collectors become disciples. When the Savior finally came, he was born into poverty. And do you think this was an accident? No, of course not. God consistently chooses the weak and the sinful and the outcast and the poor. So when God is choosing today, who do you think is going to be on the short list? When God needs to get something done, for the most part, he is not going to choose politicians, movie stars, NBA basketball players, or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. He's going to choose the poor and the outcast and the weak and the sinful. And he may even choose you. Our gospel today at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount finds Jesus saying that God is going to bless the poor in spirit and the lowly and the hungry and the persecuted and those who mourn. And not only because God is merciful and compassionate, but because these are people whose faith in some ways is the most immediate, the most real. When we are in dire straits, we are in some sense already blessed by God because we have only God to rely on. The hungry and the persecuted and the single-hearted don't have the luxury of complacency or the convenience of believing that the world is ticking along just fine without the need of God's love and compassion. I said earlier that caring for the poor is a serious religious obligation for us. And the poor may be chosen by God and blessed in some ways, but that doesn't mean that poverty is a good thing. Jesus makes it very clear that people will know that the Savior has come when the hungry are fed and the broken are healed and the poor have the good news preached to them. And so we have a mission to show God's love to the poor, both the materially poor and the poor in spirit. So this weekend might be a good time for us to reflect on how effectively we've been working in our war on poverty and how we might do better. As often as we say or sing, the Lord hears the cry of the poor, if we believe that, we'd better be sure that the poor aren't crying out against us. And the poor will be with us always. That's what Jesus said as his feet were being anointed with some very expensive oil. But consider what that means for us. Any war on poverty isn't going to be a series of government programs that will last a few decades and then go away. Our war on poverty must be a change of heart a matter of personal ongoing conversion that recognizes our own impoverished spirits and that seeks to respond with all of the mercy and compassion that we know that God has shown to us.